in our last recording, the last episode, we talked about Story, the book. And I picked out that one paragraph where he talks about the love to touch the audience needs to be like the desire of a great writer. And then he's talking about the capacity of the audience to be touched and open and to feel deeply. And we nerded out on that part. And it's still like that alone. This is on page, I don't know, 10 of the book. It's at the very beginning. That paragraph alone has touched me and changed me. Boom. I'll never forget that. That has done, that's changed the chemistry in my brain that has imprinted on me. Beautiful, beautiful. Today, I kept reading in the book, or I was attempting to read. But you know what sucked about it is, what was incredibly inconvenient is that every third sentence I wanted to highlight. Yes. I cannot read this book fast. It's, I it's cannot like, read this book yeah. It slows yeah. me down so much. Yeah, it's not just I the highlighting. I know exactly what you mean, man. I know exactly right? what you mean. So yeah. I want to highlight. I want to yeah. take notes. And yeah. I want to contemplate. I'm like, yeah. wow, this is so profound. I should think yeah. on this for the day. Yeah. And then I go, all right, but it's just the first sentence I, I read. Let me read a little bit further. And I read, and then there's another paragraph where I go, oh, my God, this is also really profound and very different. I should contemplate on this. And then I go, wait, but there's this other thing I wanted to contemplate on. And then within two, three pages, I go, maybe I should stop here <laughs> because I'm missing out on all this brilliance that I'm just passing by too fast. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So obviously, that's dope, right? That's just, I mean, gold when you read something that's so well written, so mm-hmm. dense in wisdom. And not just it's smart and it says really intelligent things, but it says things that make you go, not, ooh, I want to tell this to everybody because this is sort of the test. Sometimes I read something quirky or smart and I go, ooh, I could tweet this. I could tell this Mm -hmm. to somebody, right? This is a Mm -hmm. smart little tidbit to share with people, to be smart. But this book isn't like that. I read these things and I go, I just want to meditate on it. I just want to stew on this soup and try to understand why is this so true and How can I change my life based on this fact? You know, Mm -hmm. so you feel this exactly. You get me right. And then, so in pay, you know, I read three, four, five, six pages. I don't know, a handful of pages and I stopped. And then I almost got discouraged to the point where thinking, I don't know if I want to continue reading this book, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. This is too slow this is slowing me down so much it feels like the only way to do it justice is if it's the only book i'm reading and i'm taking a month off to actually work on the things that i'm reading here and then i go this is not practical it's almost like being somewhere where it's too beautiful at a beach and you're like i can't be here just for an afternoon i have to go to work like this is i should go somewhere where it's not as pretty where i'm not as tempted this is, this is the first and only book I ever recommended to you that I haven't read finished for exactly the same reason. Mm. I was like, okay, I started and I said, oh, shit, this is so good. This is so good. And then, you know, I, I was I was at it for like a couple of weeks and I was still, I don't know, maybe 20% into the book. And then, you know, life happened. and, and uh, But I was like, okay, this, I can nerd out with Stilly about this. And together, <laughs> together <laughs> we will make it through it. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, so uh, if you haven't heard... amazing if you think about like, a book that's so awesome that you haven't like <laughs> finished it. That you cannot finish it because it's too yeah. good. Yeah. It is too good to to keep reading. Right? A book too good to keep reading. That's beautiful. So I put the book down 
And now I feel a little discouraged. And I think, well, what should I do? Should I just put it aside? What's the right way to go about this? And then I remembered my youth, my reading youth at least. You know, in my youth youth, I was not reading. I was not a reader. But when I started reading books, age 16, when I really got into books, let's say age 17, I, I don't know where I read this. It must have been some self-help book, dude. Somewhere very early on in my reading journey, I read that our subconscious minds are so powerful. They're this massive computational force. Anything and everything you ever see or experience, anything and anything you ever read will be stored forever and can't be accessed. Don't you worry about it. And I instantly believed this. I don't know why this was such an easy thing for me to believe. Maybe because it was very convenient. Maybe because something inside of me, it rang true as something I had already known before reading it. Independently if it's true or not. I don't even want to talk about science, any of that. I read that and that really benefited me so tremendously in my reading career, in my life. Because I remember, dude, like 50% of the books I was reading, age 17 to 20, half the books I barely understood. They were, I remember pages and pages of reading with zero comprehension. Mm -hmm. I would buy these very, you know, complex business books and my vocabulary was terrible and I was not a reader and I was not really well educated and I knew nothing about business. And so I would read these books and I remember sometimes two pages, three pages of me reading and thinking, I don't, I'm not able to to really understand what I'm reading right now. But then I would, then this other voice would click into my head that said, but your subconscious is storing all this information and magically you're going to be smarter. Just trust in the process. And I kept reading and I felt smart even if I knew nothing at the end of the book. There was a lightheartedness, a childlike flow in the way I would consume this information that said, the things I can pick up, I can pick up. And the things I can't, I will fly by and it all is going to work out at the end. Let the magic happen. Your brain is going to become bigger through this training. You don't have to worry about the details. And that was really powerful. That was a powerful attitude I had to reading because, I mean, otherwise, I don't know if I'd ever been able to become so passionate about reading because the first hand, you know, the first few books I read, I really didn't understand most of the stuff. And for many years, that was the truth. But I never let that slow me down. And I remembered that, that feeling of lightheartedness, of flow, of just belief. The, the thing that I need to learn, I will learn, right? Just dance. Don't think too much about it. That relaxation, being able to relax even in these I mean, back when I was young, it was moments of not being able to understand. Maybe now it's trying to understand too much too quickly, trying to squeeze too much value out of too many pages instead of relaxing and going, this is an amazing book. This is the kind of book that you cannot read once. Yeah, you can revisit. It's like a reference. This is a book you have to experience many, many times. Mm -hmm. And you'll go through it now and what is most important and what really matters will stick with you. It will move you in ways and shake you. You don't have to worry about it. And all the other things that you also find fascinating and interesting, but you can't quite take with you from the first reading, 
they're still in you, in your brain, right? Or if you believe in the morphogenetic field, they're still out there in the ether for you ready to download. And you can revisit the book. And in the second time you go there, maybe you notice you'll pick up other things. Other things will move you, shake you, shape you, touch you, influence you. You don't have to get everything out of this in the first go. This is too much pressure. You're making it work. Like literally, when I put the book aside, it for a split second, it moved from something I am falling deeply in love with to something I want to run away from. <laughs> to something where I go, this isn't right. This is too much. I can't. This is, I'm too slow and there's too many things in here that I really want to capture. And, and it makes me tense instead of making me relaxed. You know what it's like for me? Tell me. For me, it's like when you have a really great meal and maybe, you know, wine and then you, you eat it and you enjoy it, right? But then also like, it's like, there's only so much that you can take in at one time, right? And then it, you know, if you, if you like for me, if I just keep reading, it's like, I'm just emptying the bottles, you know, as much as I can because it's so good, right? So then it kind of ruins it. So just this, for me, like taking just as much as I uh, as I want at that point is what really works for me in this case. That's beautiful. Yeah. You have your way. I have the right way of doing this. Everybody, everybody <laughs> does something. Somebody does the right thing. You're mistaken belief, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. And I think that's also... I mean, I wanted to talk to you about reading for a while on the podcast because mm. I do believe that a lot of people have just bad reading habits mm -hmm. and reading habits that really rob them of the wealth and richness and beauty of reading because most people are learned to read in school and reading, like reading was a school exercise. So... Many, many people have built this, these beliefs about reading and these habits that are not ideal. I have to read A to Z. I always have to read cover to cover. No matter how much I hate the book or no, much, no matter how much I don't want to consume everything, I have to, when I start, I will suffer myself to the finish. It's my homework. It, it, it's a must. What are you doing right now? I'm reading a book. Oh, what book? Ah, it's not that good. Oh, why you keep reading? Well, I, I haven't finished it and I really want to finish it before I get to this other book that I'm really excited about. Oh, uh, how much longer do you have to read? Well, a couple more weeks. Why the fuck are you doing this? Why would you suffer through a couple of weeks of reading something you hate to get to the next book? And then yeah, it's, it's like being in a bad relationship that you know it's never going to get better. It's mass hypnosis. They look at you and they go, oh, there's no other way. <laughs> you know you have the power to put the book aside? No. I started it, so throw it away. You have to finish shit. So people think they have to read cover to cover. People think they have to finish once they start it, which is not true. People think that it's one reading. It's once I read the book, I know the book now. It's also funny. Like You talk to people about some book and they say, yeah, I read this many years ago. As if... They want to dismiss the possibility that anything in that book could have escaped them in terms of knowledge, wisdom, and as if it's a never-changing artifact that's captured in time where once you consume it once, now you know everything the book has to offer. We talked about this before. I don't know if I there's an episode on this, 
But I've taught this many times, and I've talked about this many times, where as you change, every book you have changes. You, there's books I've read five, six times, and every single time I've discovered new things. At the fifth time, there was almost a sense of this. It's not possible that this chapter existed the previous four times. Mm-hmm. Like I would be in disbelief. It's I know this book inside out. How could it be that there's a whole chapter that never existed before this time reading it? I'm sure somebody changed my copy. As you evolve and change as a person, every book you've read is changing in memory as well as if you reread it because you as the reader are part of the reading experience. That's something people don't comprehend. So I've always told people to reread their favorite books and also to re-attempt. Sometimes I pick up a book, I start reading it and I go, this ain't for me. And then two years later, I pick it up and I read it and I go, oh my God, this is the most beautiful thing ever. It was not for Steli two years ago. So I tell people when you have a strong reaction, the books I really, really, really hate, I revisit. That's also the reason or one of the reasons why I'd revisited Dune. I had attempted to read it a couple of years ago and I really fucking hated it. I hated it a lot. It's easy to hate. The beginning of that book is, I mean, if you want to have comprehension when you're reading, the beginning of Dune is not your book. Mm -hmm. You have to... You, Dune is such a great example. I didn't realize this is this very moment. Dune is a book where when you start, you have to let go of the need to comprehend what you're reading or you cannot keep going. People always bring up the same story. I started reading Dune. There are so many words, references, names, things in there. Every page is filled with things I don't understand and nobody explains. Yeah, You're thrown into this foreign world where you can make sense of things and it's just confusing and frustrating you're just confused and frustrated until and if you keep going slowly but surely that frustration things click into place names started start to come alive and now you're immersed in this world and you're like oh my god i'm in for a wild ride and you're enjoying every bit of it but the beginning is harsh and so first time i read it i hated it or i didn't read the whole book i read i don't know first couple of chapters and i'm like this sucks and then the second time i read it I remembered how much the first time sucked, but I thought maybe I'll just keep going without having the need to like it. And I just trust that a book that is so loved by people I respect, that is such a monumental piece of art highlighted by all these incredible people, it can't be as terrible as my reading experiences in the beginning. Maybe I just need to trust and let go and see if, you know, in a couple of days, I get into it. It's a trusting, believing in that got me to become the biggest fucking do nerd and fan, you know, <laughs> reason, at least in my, for all my friends, my appearances shaped up quite, you know, differently lately where they're all like, what is wrong with Stellian <laughs> telling me that I have to read Dune? Dude, every, every uh, end of the year, I buy, we buy a book that I have loved that year for everybody that works at close. I might have to buy Dune this year, although people <laughs> will hate me for this. They will be confused. Yeah. I, I, I fucking love that book. But it was the second time around, not the first time around. So I say when you have strong emotions, when you really, really hate something or really, really love something, revisit the book. You can't just read it once or twice. Jumping in in a book, like people don't understand that Especially maybe not in, in, fic- in fiction, right? Because there's a whole story. I'm not sure 
if you could just read the two random chapters of a novel and like get anything or get much out of it? Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. I've never attempted it. But nonfiction books? For fucking sure. You could pick up a nonfiction book, read one chapter, the thing that's most relevant to your problem, put it into work, and you read the book. You didn't read the whole book. You didn't try everything, but it doesn't matter. Especially when you're trying to acquire new skills, picking up these books and then reading them cover to cover, it might be good for you, but it also might just be slowing you down because cover to cover, at the end of the day, you still just pick out and really implement a very small handful of of things. Now, people always fear that they're going to miss something if they don't go from beginning to end. But the truth is you will always miss things. You will actually most, you will almost always miss almost everything in almost every book. You will, here's an exercise, something that I've tried for myself and it, it always shames me into shock. When I finish a book, Ramin, not every time, But most of the time, I go through a little mental exercise where I ask myself, if I had to explain to a friend what this book is about and what they will learn, what would I say? Now, with some monumental books that I've recently read, this is easier to me. But with many, many books that I like, this is not that easy. Truth suffers from too much analysis. So... You know, a lot of nonfiction books, when I read them, or like the trendy, you know, there's always trendy books. What is it? What is a a recent blockbuster nonfiction book? Let's think. Oh, what is the Habits book that's so big? Atomic Habits? Yes, boom, Atomic Habits. Mm. Or, um, you know, I mean, I'm just about to read Breathe. Or I I just recently read uh, Why We Sleep. These are huge books. But once, when you finish them, a week later, if you had to give somebody a summary, you don't have that much, usually. At least I. I don't have a hundred interesting facts. I don't remember. I remember one or two stories I can summarize. I can summarize it after I read the book oftentimes. Slightly better than if I just read the summary. You know what? And especially with these books, I find almost that oftentimes you get more out of watching the, you know, 30-minute TED Talk they do than spending seven hours reading the book. Yeah, because they, they, the TED Talk is the four Selected best stories yeah. put together and the core message of the book. A lot of times these books have one core message. It's very simple. Then they have a million stories, research and stuff to entertain you and make you believe more and more in that one message. But you're not really learning that much. Like, you're not learning that much that a month later you're able to retain. Dude, most of these nonfiction books, a month later, what people could tell you about the book is mostly what you could read at the back of the cover of the book. And it's not just other people, myself included. I do this test all the time and I'm shocked oftentimes, you know, this, I mean, it was entertaining sometimes to read, but in terms of what I can tell you about what I learned, it's kind of shockingly small amount of information I retain that is available. Now, the beautiful thing about fiction is that you don't have to retain information is because as you read those stories, oftentimes the mere fact of losing yourself in the story is touching and affecting you and changing you in the process in a, hopefully if it's a beautiful book in a fundamental way. But with books like Dune, I don't tell people about all the characters. I'm not a nerd. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) I'm kind of a nerd, but not that much of a nerd. 
I'm not like, oh, tell, let me tell you about all the planets and this and the, you know, what the sandworms do. And no, dude, I never talk about any of that shit. What I talk about is the beautiful writing, is the scope, monumental task of what Frank Herbert attempted in writing it. I talk about the character building, the world building. I talk about the the writing cadence, the play with rhythm, the play with length of word and sentences, the affecting you, pushing you. The, the I talk about the beauty of the experience. I don't give you, it's like, you know, riding a an amazing roller coaster and then getting off of it and somebody asks you, how was it? And you go, woo! Oh my God, it was incredible. That's what I do. Like I give you the emotion of the experience was amazing. And then maybe I'll give you a summary. Like I thought I'm going to die and then it got worse. And then I thought now I'm going to die and then it got even worse. That's, but I'm not, how was the roller coaster ride? Well, you know, um, first we I went- then a right turn. <laughs> it, we were going up for 13 seconds. It was staying up in the first turn for three seconds. Then technically at a 67 degree fall, we were, nobody's explaining a roller coaster ride that way. Same way, a beautiful story or a beautiful piece of fiction writing. This is what you, this is usually what you should do. Not, you know, let me explain you. There's 17 characters. One name is Frodo. The other names is so-and-so. They wear, like, who the fuck gives a shit? I can read this myself. I don't need, I don't need the count of bolts on this roller coaster. Dude, I don't need, I don't need the tons of metal that were used. You know, I asked you how was the ride, right? So, but nonfiction books oftentimes are almost are a how to build a roller coaster. You know, here's a manual to building roller coasters. This is the amount of bolts. This is the amount of metal. This is the safety precautions. That's what one part of it is. The other part of it is, let me explain you why roller coasters are exciting. The psychology and history. Did you know when roller coasters were invented? Did you know what happens in our brain when there's a roller coaster? Did you know that a psychologist has uh, analyzed that, you know, roller coaster ride is very close to the anxiety of losing a parent? As a Those are the nonfiction books, you know? And, the, and they always go through the same pattern. The, the name of the book is Roller Coaster. And then the subtitle is The Secret Signs and Forgotten Facts About Why We as Humans Need a Thrill. Like, that's... It's every new nonfiction book that's coming out that's a blockbuster. It's like one name, one big idea, and then the art and science and hidden knowledge and history of why humanity, yada, yada, yada. And then there's like a million interesting stories about all these roller coaster rides, the things that happen, the psychologists, the cat scans, the science, the history, the folklore. And at the core of it is you need joy in life. Awesome. Right? Cool. Good story. <laughs> why did I need to read 700 pages to get to this conclusion? I need joy. There's also a distinction in the in the storybook McKee makes about like the truth with a lowercase t and then big T truth, right? Where it's like so the, the lowercase truth is like the facts, what you can observe, the accuracy, right? But then the capital T truth is ah, there you go. Is located behind, beyond, inside, below the surface of things, holding reality together or tearing it apart, and cannot be directly observed. Right? I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah, it's dope. It's a dope book. Coming back to it, I decided to keep reading and enjoying it because for me, this book already is amazing and has been an amazing experience. I could stop here and I feel I've gotten something from it. But when I read without the pressure 
to take everything with me and from it than it can give me, if I let that go, that idea, and I just go through it because it inspires me to love writing, it inspires me to think and feel about storytelling, which is something I very much want right now in my life. I want that kind of inspiration. Then it's beautiful. And so for me, I decided to try and attempt and keep reading with a bit more of a lighthearted approach and with the knowledge that book is not running away. I don't have like, I don't have a once in a lifetime chance and every page I read disappears. I can read this as often as I want. And if maybe in a week as I read it, I don't have as much fun, I can put it aside and revisit it later. But right now I do have the desire to read it and I have the desire to enjoy it. And when you do that sometime in the future, a fuzzy memory can come up and you're like, oh, he said something about this. And you can go back to the book, look it up, and then it's there. Also, this, this makes me think of like the days when I was like as a, as a teenager reading, reading, like basically every day spending in the library, right? Skipping school. And, and I was like stoned in the library, just going through books. And I read like Dostoevsky and Knut Hamza Muhanger and all these things. And if you ask me what it is about, like what's the idiot about? I can't even tell you anymore. But what I do know is I loved it when I read it. I loved it when I read it. Like when you ask me what is what is hunger about, I don't even like I can't talk about the book anymore. But there's like feelings, moments that I remember about it that stay with me. Um, and, and that was magic. And why do we have the expectation that when we read, we need to retain impressive information we can recite to others and ourselves decades later? Why is that the expectation? Nobody would ever go, hey, did you go to this? You went to this festival. Oh, you went to Woodstock. I mean, this would not be a thing anymore because it's probably people would be too old. I don't know exactly what year Woodstock was, but you went yeah, to this Burning Man, or, Burning Man or whatever, to this great festival. How was it? Even if it's a years later, we don't expect <laughs> them to give us a, you know, first day at 9 a.m. There were seven day seven. Oh, this band played this song. For, like, let me give you the exact lineup of all the songs and how long and every detail nobody expects that people will tell you about the way they felt the excitement there was one big moment this crazy thing happened and oh my god they lost their mind and i was you know laying grass looking at the stars listening to the music feeling the love of the universe and then we had this adventure and then this great other thing happened and all in all it was just this adventurous weekend that changed me and i'm so grateful for it isn't that an, a good enough summary? Nobody would question that. You would not question yourself. Wait a second, but I can't tell what every band played and the exact sequence of all the notes and if they changed any song. It Nobody would analyze it that way. But with books, because of schooling, I think, we go, well, I could not pass a test. If somebody gave a Tolstoy test today, I would not pass. So surely I've not read it well. I need to feel shame for the way I read it. Bullshit. Bullshit. Even if you read it not stoned, and even if you're some, like, the only people that can read some of these books and recite them in perfect detail are people where that's their job. That's all they do. Professor of literature. And even that person won't be able to do that with every book. They read, you know, a hundred times more literature than, than a normal person, and then they do nothing else. That's their job. And so they are a bit more eloquent, some usually, but that can't be the. That's not the standard to set. 
you read it, did did it provide value to you? Was the experience beautiful? Were the moments that you loved? Then if you afterwards can say nothing else but I loved to read it or I felt great while reading it, that's a good enough summary. And there's another thing sometimes where sometimes in in like in real life, right? Uh, you're in some situation and it it reminds you of some part, some element, of some story of the book, some moment in the book. And you're like, oh, and you it actually changes the way you 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 feel and you see about what's happening right now, and even about the way you act. And then uh, you know another adventure unfolds in real life that is partially because of that book that you read, right? Everything we consume and everything we experience becomes part of us in the smallest way possible. Maybe it's such a small piece that you cannot find it in a separate form in the soup of your subconscious or personality or heart or emotions or whatever, right? You can't identify every little bit of it, but the whole of it is who you are. It's the experiences we've had. Part of the experiences that we have as humans are the stories we tell and the stories we listen to and learn from. You can't, every book I've ever read is part of me in some way that I don't understand. Some books are such a big part of me that I do understand, that I can point to a piece of me and go, this, is, this was this person or this book or this specific experience. But most of it, most of who I am and how I think has been shaped by these experiences and stories in ways that I, I cannot, I don't know, I cannot follow, I cannot point to. It doesn't mean, though, that they didn't have an impact or that they're not part of me. But now imagine if while you learned to read, and the only place usually for most people where reading was a real thing to be tested around, to have to prove that you've done it, is school. Now imagine school was telling you, read these books, immerse yourself in them, and who the fuck cares if you can say anything about it or not? Just enjoy it. (laughs) That would be amazing. But how would that be possible? Schools would, schools would explode. Teachers' heads would explode. You know, This doesn't work in a factory system. Like You can't be telling factory workers, here's a bunch of tools. Just be creative and build something. No. Everybody, you have to follow the process and do it in a way that shows your work and can be proven and generates an average but predictable outcome at the end. Cool. That's how people learn to read. That's what people's reading experiences mostly contain of. And then when they grow up and they keep reading, that's the shape and pattern in which they feel themselves confined in. And they don't even know that they can break. You can break out of that pattern. Nobody can tell you what reading is and it it isn't. Or what good enough or not good enough reading is. Lots of people don't read because exactly of this fact. They read... And then they go, ah, I don't really like to read book, books. I go, why? Well, you know, I have a really, I have an ADD mind, so I have a difficult time, you know, reading for an hour. Like I, you know, after 10, 20 minutes, I, I'm kind of getting restless. So 10, 20 minutes of reading is perfect. Who tells you you have to read for an hour? Or I don't remember a lot of things when I read. So who says you have to remember everything when you read it? Do you enjoy the experience? Nobody goes, I don't read because while I'm reading even when I read something really beautiful, I hate every second of it. They usually bring up reasons that are more related to, I don't think I, you know, a month later, I have a lot of information on the book. I feel like I read too slowly. I think that I don't read, don't enjoy reading for really long periods of time. 
sometimes I don't feel like finishing a book. And so I had two books in a row I didn't finish. So I kind of just stopped reading because I don't think I like reading. You and I as readers know, you know how many, let me ask you, Ramin, how many books do you start on average last, let's say, two years? Just a guess. How many books in the last two years did you start and discard because you didn't like reading? I'd say I discarded around 60% of all the books I started reading. 60% of all the books. How many books do you read a month? Guess. Guesstimate. Doesn't have to be accurate. It's so different. It really changed in the last year. Like last year was the year when I like rediscovered my joy of reading maybe five. There you go. When Ramin has joy for reading, maybe he reads five books a month. You're a pretty intense reader. I'm sure there's people that read more than you, but not many, percentage-wise. And there's ups and downs. I've gone through the same thing. I've gone through years where, only, to me, a year where I didn't read is maybe a year where I read eight books. To me, that's like reading nothing. That year, I read absolutely nothing. To other people, a year with eight books would be a phenomenal record-setting year of reading. But, I mean, I would say, for me, yeah, it's more than half. More than half of the books I start, I don't finish. But you and I, we're totally okay with that fact. That doesn't instill any guilt in me. I would love to know how many people stop reading because they picked up a handful of books that they didn't enjoy and then they went, reading isn't for me. Mm -hmm. There are all these fucked up ideas about yeah. what reading is and what it's supposed to be and how you're supposed to perform while reading. And if you take these dumb ideas then it's very easy to get to the conclusion of reading isn't for me or to do it, but in a way that's so much more work than it should be. Also, like <laughs> public service announcement. Some people will hate me for this. Listening to audiobooks is not reading. I have very good friends, even some of them that I've podcasted with in the past, they shall remain nameless, that think audiobooking a book is reading it. And it's not, but it's still awesome. I've audiobooked thousands of books I mean, I downloaded thousands of books on Audible. I don't know how many I listened to, actually, but hundreds for sure. And it's awesome. I love audiobooks. I love audiobooks. I'm just saying, listening to an audiobook versus reading a book, two different experiences. They're both valuable experiences. I'm not saying audiobooks are not valuable. They're amazing. They're just very different. Also, reading a book by yourself Versus reading it with someone else or reading it to someone else. Also very different experience. Saying words out loud changes, changes everything. It's not just that it's more work. It changes the experience because now you're much more in a, you perform part of the book. You don't just consume it. And so all these things, Reading without taking any notes versus reading while taking tons and tons of notes and writing summaries, very different experiences. All of them are beautiful. All of them can be magical. If you shake the shackles and free yourself of old ideas of what reading is and isn't and how reading is supposed to be done and what is good and bad or valuable or not valuable. Read because it's awesome. There are so many incredible books out there that will change you, that will enrich your life so tremendously. But it's not going to be every book. It's not going to be most books. Most books you pick up will not be for you at that moment. Some of them will be for you and decent. And then the very few are going to be life-changing. 
if you read a lot, the number of life-changing books increases over the years. But it's all fun and games if you have a relaxed attitude and you see books as this incredible world that you can immerse yourself in versus a homework assignment that you have to do right to pass the test of did I read this well and did I understand everything well and do I retain every little bit of it good enough? Who the fuck cares? I fucking love books so much. We should be in the book business if it wasn't such a shitty business to be in. You know, I mean, if it was not the most terrible business in the world, I would want to be like a book publisher or something. So it's like, in, in a way, it's like you, you are able to borrow somebody else's mind, right? And try that on. And, and uh, to me, that's amazing. You know, oftentimes it's, you know, people who are incredibly smart. And even if you're, you know, not incredibly smart, you can, you can borrow their mind for a while and look at things how they see it, which is fucking amazing if you think about it, right? Like if, they, amazing. if, they, would, if they would be a, 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 some kind of chip that you can put on your brain and, and gives you that ability... Holy fuck, but there's books. You can do that. Yeah, books are exactly that. And that's where they're also different than a movie, for instance. Movies are also amazing. It's a very different medium. But people, like, you could think, why not just watch the movie versus reading the book? The book will take so much more time and effort. The movie is just one and a half hours and I lean back and I don't have to do anything other than keeping my eyes open. But... There's a significant difference in how intense you will live through this other person's life or through this downloaded part of their brain. Yeah, it goes so much deeper. It goes, it goes so, much. so much deeper. And there is the difference. There's the difference in value. Yes, it's slower and takes more effort, but it is a complete download versus a cheap or a cheaper copy that gives you the outline of the shape but doesn't give you that part of the brain of the author fully like experienced through your own emotions and through your own imaginations and your own brain at the end of the day. Anyways, books are amazing. I wonder what books... You know, is a, something I wonder about is... P authors today, who is an author today or what is a book that was written recently that is true, truly great and will stand the test of time? Because we, are, we have a pretty big book industry today. There are books that are huge, but I made a bit of fun of them. I mean, it's still difficult to do and I'm sure they're very valuable. But these books that follow a formula that sell that I just can't believe – 10 years, 30 years, 60 years from now, anybody will care about or know. What are the books today that 100 years from now people will say are classics, that people will still study? I want to know. Are we still writing these kinds of books? There must be somebody writing books like that. Who are these people? Anyways, read more books, kids. It's good for you. <laughs>